On this fourth Sunday in Eastertide, we begin our season of stewardship, thinking about and making commitments to support our community life together. Our stewardship team has invited us to consider the three basic prayers outlined in a book by Anne Lamott, Help, Thanks, and Wow, and how those prayers have been alive in us over the past year. Today we begin with the prayer of help and look to a personal psalm which reads like a prayer. We hear from the Good News Translation. Let us open our hearts and minds and pray it together. Listen to me, Lord, and answer me, for I am helpless and weak. Save me from death, because I am loyal to you. Save me, for I am your servant and I trust in you. You are my God, so be merciful to me. I pray to you all day long. Make your servant glad, O Lord, because my prayers go up to you. You are good to us and forgiving, full of constant love for all who pray to you. Listen, Lord, to my prayer. Hear my cries for help. I call to you in times of trouble because you answer my prayers. There is no God like you, O Lord. Not one has done what you have done. All the nations that you have created will come and bow down to you. They will praise your greatness. You are mighty and do wonderful things. You alone are God. Teach me, Lord, what you want me to do, and I will obey you faithfully. Teach me to serve you with complete devotion. I will praise you with all my heart, O Lord my God. I will proclaim your greatness forever. How great is your constant love for me. You have saved me from the grave itself. Proud people are coming against me, O oh God. A cruel gang is trying to kill me, people who pay no attention to you. But you, O oh Lord, are a merciful and loving God, always patient, always kind and faithful. Turn to me, and have mercy on me. Strengthen me and save me, because I serve you just as my mother did. Show me proof of your goodness, Lord. Those who hate me will be ashamed when they see that you have given me comfort and help. The wisdom of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. God, in our cries for help, in our shouts of celebration, in the promise of spring, in the hope for justice, in our times of need and in our times of joy, you are always there. And now as we come together to reflect on your word, on the words of people of faith, we ask that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be truly acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our salvation. And let the people say, Amen. For the next several weeks, we continue in the season of Eastertide, when Christians around the world celebrate what resurrection means to us. 
and how we see it in the world around us. And here at United Parish, we enter what we call stewardship season, that time of year when we consider more intentionally the gifts of our community, what it means to us, why we take part. In a few moments, we're going to hear from one of our members about this. Stewardship means we begin planning for the year ahead, how we steward the gifts and opportunities available to us. And we ask some questions like, what are the dreams we feel God is nudging us into? What resources do we need for those dreams, both financially and time-wise, to make them possible? And how will each one of us make a commitment to the common good of our community, both in dollars and in service? As we began preparing for this stewardship season a few months ago, our team uh, met and our treasurer recalled how some parishioners read a book by Annie Lamott a few years back. It was a, it's a concise little meditation on what she calls the three essential prayers, which she identifies as help, thanks, and wow. And the team began suggesting ways that we consider how these prayers have been a part of our lives during this past tumultuous year of global pandemic, political division, blatant and disturbing racism, and renewed, deepened calls for change. In our own challenges of learning how to be physically distant as a community, yet still spiritually connected, the question we want to ask is, how have we cried out help, thanks, and even wow, not only to God, but also to one another? And how will these prayers be a part of our life together going forward into the hopeful yet still uncertain months ahead. So today we're beginning with the prayer of help. Now I have to say from the outset that I grew up in a culture where it was generally okay to ask for help. And part of it, I think, had to do with the fact that my parents, our extended family, and many of our friends grew up in small rural farm culture communities of the Midwest, where most of their friends and neighbors knew one another, knew their business, knew their struggles, and knew that they knew that just about everyone needed help at one time or another, whether it was putting up a new barn or getting the crops in or helping out after a new baby came or recovering from a fire or some other disaster, your friends and neighbors were there to help you. My father poignantly remembered the farmer across the road, whom he admired because this guy was good with mechanics. His own dad, my grandfather, loved livestock, and he loved the old way of doing things. But this guy inspired my dad with his knowledge of machinery, something that was increasingly available to rural farmers in the first part of the 20th century. And he was helping my young dad learn in ways that would inspire him to go on and become a design engineer. The neighbor's biggest challenge, it seemed, was alcoholism. On long stretches of rainy days when he couldn't go in work in the fields, the neighbor across the road would go on binges at the village tavern, drinking away whatever demons or problems he had. And after a day or two of him not returning home, his wife would cross the road, tears running down her cheeks, and ask my grandfather if he would go look for him. And my grandfather would oblige, because that's what friends and neighbors did for one another. I doubt there was much judgment about it, at least not explicitly. There was probably, this was of course before the widespread availability of recovery groups and a more 
psychological approach to addictive behaviors. The attitude was probably more just sober up, my friend, get back on your tractor, get back to work, pay attention to your wife and family. And there was also implicit the understanding that we're here for you. This was from my grandfather, who was raising a family of seven during the Depression. A man whom my dad would recall as a little boy, he wouldn't dare ask for a nickel because he knew he didn't have a nickel to give him. My grandfather needed help too. And as many of the adults around me would say, we grew up poor, except that we didn't know we were poor because everyone else around us was in the same boat. As a lot of you know, it was like this for most rural folks, like my parents who grew up in the 1930s and 40s. As a result, there was much more a sense of the collective, that we were all in this together. They had common enemies. During the Great Depression, it was fighting poverty and an economy and freefall. And during World War II, it was fighting the ever-expanding reach of fascism. And at a local level, people got it. They were there for each other. And they had leadership that encouraged them to bind together against these common enemies. At its best, this attitude exemplified what the writer to the Thessalonians exhorted the readers to encourage one another and help one another. Warn the idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but at all times make it your aim to do good to one another and to all people. Now, given that I was steeped in the remainders of this kind of ethos, exemplified by my family and my home church and our wide circle of friends and relations, it came as a shock to me when I moved to Boston as a young adult that many people, including those close to me, have trouble asking for help. And working professionally as a pastor, I continue to be steeped in communities that I believe are all about sharing one another's cares and burdens, being there to help one another. I admitted my ongoing confusion about this dynamic in our worship planning this week, and it was helpfully pointed out that some of the fears of asking for help are very basic. One, that it automatically puts you in a vulnerable position, a position of need. And two, that if you receive help, it puts you in another's debt. Now, I get it, and I don't, which perhaps just only shows my own limitations in understanding the totality of human experience. My friends, in my mind, these are simply the facts of life. And to deny them is to show our utter ignorance of how life and humanity work. All of us are vulnerable to one degree or another if we're truly honest with ourselves. Any parent of a newborn will tell you this. As you watch your precious babe go out into the world, you become startlingly aware of how vulnerable it is to be human. We are born with soft, pliant skin, unprotected parts of our body, one sharp touch to the skin and we bleed. And as we get older and harden, we begin to watch our step. As you all know, one fall, I learned a few years ago, one fall slip on the ice in middle age and you're on crutches for the next few weeks. And we are born into debt to one another, to our parents, our teachers, our ancestors, no matter how good or bad they are, because they're the ones that give us life. 
that give us this culture and these institutions from which we benefit, which support us, and which we are called upon to continually enhance and improve. Now, this approach to life is often defiantly anti-American. If you ask people around the world, we're known as brash, entitled, loud. We celebrate the self-made person. We're the people of Emerson's self-reliance, that notable essay he wrote in 1841. It's an important concept, self-reliance, and one that was embodied in the people and the culture I grew up in as well. The idea of being our own unique selves, of learning things ourselves, of self-improvement, originality. But as any great thinker or inventor has to admit, you cannot be self-reliant if you don't have resources and people around you to help you become self-reliant. None of us is self-made. We are God-made and community-supported. And to ignore these basic facts of life is utter heresy. It's one of the reasons that I love church. Because we recognize that we are all needy. We all have our flaws. We all have shortcomings. And we are all here for one another. To recognize and honor one another and mutually enhance all of our God-given beauty and brilliance. To help one another and be helped. To grow stronger together. To be the kind of people God calls us to be. To grow into the best versions of ourselves. I recall somewhat fondly that when this pandemic started, one of our first responses was to help one another. Great example was our 20s and 30s group of folks reached out to help with grocery shopping and computer tech help for some of our over 70s who weren't, when we weren't quite sure if it was safe to go out shopping. Our staff hopped to immediately with, to adapt to worship as did our ministry teams. Our gathering teams started finding new ways for us to connect. Our healthcare workers met weekly for some prayer and meditation as they anticipated and lived through the surge in our hospitals. Remember how scary that was? In recent months, some members have sought to help our overwhelmed families with meals, and we're continuing to find ways to help each other as this pandemic drones on. We continue to learn to adapt, to be there for one another. This is part of why I keep asking you every week to think of who might, you might normally see only in church on a Sunday and reach out to them during the week. The Psalm of Help that we just heard, it's a prayer that any of us could read on any day. There's, a, there's another Psalm of Help that puts it even more poignantly from Psalm 31. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in trouble. For my, my eyes are tired from so much crying. I am completely worn out. Is there anyone out there who feels that way? The thing about Psalm 86, the one that Megan just read for us, is that the psalmist is very clear that they turn to God for help. Listen, Lord, to my prayer. Hear my cries for help. I call to you in times of trouble because you answer my prayers. And I wonder how many of us do that on a regular basis. We have become so steeped in this culture of self-reliance, of trusting our own skills and abilities, that we often forget to turn again and again to the source of our life, to do it regularly, often, and early. I have to admit to you, even this pastor forgets to do that. 
As you might guess, we on staff, like you and many of the people, if not most of the people you know, we're tired. It's not just us. I, I know that many or most of you are feeling it. There are articles being written all the time about it. Languishing, burnout, fatigue, tired minds, unexpected confusion. For those of us traumatized by sickness or loss of income or racist trauma, it is acute. For others of us, it may just be a blunt ennui or anything in between. We're tired of a year of adapting. We're tired of a year of divisiveness, of blundering, bickering leadership, of continued blatant racism. There is hope on the horizon for sure. The vaccines, the trial this week that showed some accountability where we sorely need it. But if we're honest, a lot of us, our creative wells are at a low ebb. And one of the best spiritual shifts we can make is to remember that it's not all up to us. It's not all up to me. It's not all up to you. Ultimately, it's up to God. And I will tell you from practical experimentation, having the willingness to face your worries and anxieties and your fatigue and say, God, I, I, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. I need to trust you. I need you to step in. I need to remember that it's not all up to me. I, I need you to open my eyes and remind me that I'm not in this alone. Help me, please. Having the willingness, the humility, the strength to pray this way, I can tell you that God delivers. If nothing else, this prayer helps us, especially when we do it on a regular base, basis, to reframe our perspective, to remember that we are part of a wider fabric. We are part of the context of God, that our lives are bound inextricably with others in bonds of reciprocity. That we are called as people of faith to be there for one another in good times and bad. And that the power and the compassion of God working in us when we let it will do far more than we can ask or even imagine. This is countercultural. This is radical. It requires us to be both strong and vulnerable. But it means we also have to be unafraid unafraid to ask for help. It is perhaps the most honest prayer we can make. Amen.